guys welcome to the first episode of the movie fight podcast a podcast where the three of us talk about our favorite movies and pit them against each other as fighters for the best in their respective categories our category today was chose by justin ishmael we just used your last name that's all right though i think we're going to use last names people will be interested in our last names right i guess we should introduce uh everybody before we get into it so my name's james williams um joined by justin ishmael say hey, hey justin what's up i'm ish yeah or ish better known as ish and jason brown say hey, jason. jason hey jason brown here <laughs> also known as jason brown also known as jason brown also known as jason um yeah so with this podcast uh, the three of us we've been friends for a long time um and we watch a lot of movies so we we have a lot of arguments about which movies are the best in different categories so we thought why not um start a podcast and talk about it because nobody's starting podcasts these days but for the first episode, what's the category? Uh, Ish Ish chose first. We rolled. Wow. He won the he won the roll off. Uh, and then our first genre is coming of age films. Yeah. So why'd you choose coming of age films? Uh, I don't know. I seem to For like the all very of them. first episode. It's just it's a genre that I like, and uh, a lot of the films in, in in said genre are I seem to enjoy. Yeah. So what's your favorite one? Which what what'd you bring today? The the one I chose for the show is Stand By Me. I think that's the most Stand like seminal me. one of my life personally. Okay, uh, okay. A lot of backstory. Jason, what'd you pick? Um, I chose the Breakfast Club. Um, I think just because as a as a Gen Xer, that that's kind of the, 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 the pinnacle <laughs> for me in terms of you know what what I feel like uh, a coming of age movie is or or used to be. Yeah. And then I chose what I believe, well, I think I know, is the best coming-of-age movie of all time, which is Dazed and Confused by Richard Linklater, man. Um, you are doesn't, clearly confused. No, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. We'll get into it. But it I, I, it's, it's the best one, but that's what I brought. Um, I don't think we're really going to do a lot of putting down other people's movies, because I honestly like all three of these movies. I think they're pretty great. I do, um, I, I do too, but yeah. but it's a, it's a fight, so I'm, it, it I'm, a fight. I'm going, I'm going so hard. You're, you're taking the name of the podcast literally. Jason's like, <laughs> I hate these fucking movies. I'm going to tell you why Breakfast Club is better than Days and Confused. <laughs> so which one do we want to start with, guys? We want to start um, with, let's do Breakfast Club first. Let's just come okay. right out of the gate with it. You think it's so good? Let's let's do it. All right. Yeah, you can take it from here, man. I mean, we'll, so, we'll we'll have a discussion but introduce your movie so the breakfast club i think for me is is the seminal um coming of age movie you've got kind of the the biggest uh most well-known perhaps uh brat pack movie if you're not familiar with the brat pack that's kind of um uh the group that the the media deemed as, as the brat pack is the the group right. of actors and actresses that in the 80s were in a lot of specifically john hughes movies uh there were a few other films but trying to think who who are all those people so in the cast of the breakfast club you've got uh judd nelson molly ringwald emilio estevez anthony michael hall ali sheedy who else would have been and i think a lot of people consider um pablo 
Uh, yeah, Rob Lowe. <laughs> yeah, St. Elmo's uh, Fire. John, like that, John that Cusack. Even even to an extent, I think Nick Cage uh, in the eighties uh, might have fallen into that group so you you kind of get get to get the gist of of that again john hughes movie everybody loves john hughes probably probably the most well-known i think maybe for me anyway so you've got uh a group of kids in detention and obviously they they don't want to be there they're all from kind of different cliques in school and kind of that's that's the starting point for the movie yeah it's kind of it's five kids in a room for yeah. an hour and a half for, is it a, for, is it a, tight, for a whole day a tight for 90 whole, minutes for a whole day they had they day. had all day detention i don't know about you guys but my school did not have all day detention oh, we so did that, on the weekend that was yeah. always a confusing thing to me it was like all day detention did they make that up for this movie or is that like a real thing that schools have you never had that no we no. didn't have saturday detentions either no no <clears throat> so yeah that's a that's a long uh that's a long detention you had to do something bad i would imagine to really get into a detention uh, yeah, i think most of our detention are like people smoking and, and stuff but yeah really we had we, uh we when had i graduated high school though. we still had smoke break so it wasn't <laughs> you know if you got caught smoking anywhere outside of the smoke break area it wasn't too big of a deal because you know there was smoke break for students when i graduated still well, we had, a, we had, a, we had mind, a smoking man. area it was just no. nobody smoked in it <laughs> yeah so um that's the starting point uh for right, so me. Why, why, why'd you choose this movie why do you think to I, you I, why I, is this the, I, I, the coming of age movie i think just because of kind of what they tackle in the movie in terms of peer pressure uh mm-hmm. parental pressure you know really finding out that you know we're we're all individuals but also in in these cliques that you have at that age how you treat one another you know is is different at that point in time because of you know how you view each each group and i think one thing that trying to overcome that what something that the breakfast club does a little bit better than these other two movies i do think is show clicks and you know the 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 different clicks and how they relate to each other and the animosity there i thought that was is was pretty spot on with the authenticity of the movie in my high school experience a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you, the, the stereotyping I feel like is clearly labeled in, in the movie. The characters are very well-defined. You, you, you've got kind of this bad guy character in uh, Judd bad Nelson's. Boy. Yeah. He was, you, I mean, bad he's, boy you know, they, they, they kind of depict him as more of a criminal, but yeah, bad yeah. boy loser type, right. That's what right. they're going for. You've got Molly Ringwald's character as kind of this goody two shoes, you know. The, the the princess is uh, how Judd Nelson Bender is his his name in the movie, kind of defines her or characterizes her. You've got the jock in uh, Emilio Estevez. Uh, that's Andrew. Brian is the nerd. That's Michael C. Hall's character. Um, in the incel yeah right 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 is right. he not just an incel um, <laughs> i'm fairly certain he is no, he's like the no. proto incel he brought a gun to school yeah that's true that yeah i mean i guess it's we a can, flare we get, gun we can get into that but, but yeah it was it was a flare gun but pretty dark he's he really you know when they when they tackle the the kind of parental pressure portion of you know the the movie i feel like he's he kind of covers more of that maybe than than the other characters i, I think uh emilio estevez's character andrew covers it a lot because his dad is you know so into his 
athletics and right, expects right. a lot of him but for for brian it's like the grades and you know that sort of thing and you know if he's not making the best grades you know he's nothing and and that's I think where that came from, I don't think it was more of being an incel that made him bring a gun to school. I think it was just I mean, I mean, the the pressure all around, you know. Yeah, I mean, but, I don't know. When he gave that spe- speech, uh, you know, about how they'll all go on and do their things, but he'll still be the one that like does their homework. And so, like, I feel like everybody right. has pretty good character growth. Like, I don't know. I think they're John Hughes is kind of stunted with his character growth in this movie, but whatever. But I yeah. think out of all of them, Anthony Michael Hall's character has the least growth. Like his character doesn't go anywhere at the yeah. at the end. He's in the same place. I don't know. I think yeah, I think you're right. Like he he did he grow? I mean he's he's in a position where he sees uh, kind of what's happening with all of the other people. Though he he already he already kind of knows what's going on in terms of you know the relationships in high school. Yeah. And, and he's, you know, at, from that vantage point, I feel like he had a leg up on the other characters and maybe that's why you don't see as much growth from him. And it, but, but he's still like so naive because then you, you get to the portion of the movie where they're getting to be a little more friendly and he wonders if they're going to be friends. Like, are we going to be friends Monday when I see you guys in the hallway? And, and yeah. they're all kind of like, uh, no, no, you know, nope. and, and he's, uh, I think kind of, taken aback by that you know thinking that oh i'm friends with these guys now you know because we're talking in yeah, detention or whatever and i've heard and, my and, and again, racist that... eddie murphy impression <laughs> yeah um it was really again, weird that's, right that's like a that's like a real depiction though like you know because that's yeah. that's the way it is you know you had you had kids in school that you know you if you're put in a room with them and you're kind of locked in there together you're going to talk to them right even if they're yeah. not members of your uh group and then you know the next day it's like you don't even know them. okay and i i think they that was a pretty pretty good depiction you know of, of what i remember school being like anyway what else what do we want to get into in terms of i want to i mean i've got some i've got some criticisms if we're if we're yeah open, yeah, open go, to go, that. Go, yeah let's do let's do criticism i mean i got a couple i mean so <laughs> I don't know. Is this a nitpick? Is this just because it's a product of the '80s? But they're in like suburban Chicago, right? Like, or in Chicago? Why is there no black people in this movie? Yeah, good question. Maybe who knows? Maybe the the school that they're in. Yeah, um, is that a dis- John Hughes dis- thing more the, than it is district. an actual yeah film thing? I feel like they yeah. dropped. I don't know. It, it yeah. felt it felt weird. Yeah, I feel like they I missed mean, an opportunity there. Yeah, it, it that maybe John that, Hughes that is, just wasn't comfortable having that conversation about racism in this movie. Maybe felt he was tackling it, too many other could, things. It could be. It it may have been a lot to like shoe into, you know, what they were trying to cover, or you know, but maybe if, it was just maybe it was just casting. You know, yeah, it, I, guess. I mean, for me, like dropping Anthony Michael Hall's character for a character, you know, like a you know a black kid from Chicago instead of him, and seeing him talk about how the other characters treat him differently i think would have been more interesting than the incel maybe, guy but. maybe but i i still think that anthony michael hall's character was kind of a a binding agent you know for them because he was so like non-confrontational yeah and he and he would talk to any of them and was not standoffish and was kind of like the oh guys i don't know if we should do that you know 
sort of character and then at the end he's the one writing the paper for them he, he's just like i said he feels like a real sort of bind uh binding agent for for the rest of the characters even though he doesn't exhibit maybe yeah. the growth in the same way or the conflict that the rest of the characters have but that it would it would have been nice to to kind of see that perspective you know with a, yeah. a person of color in the cast to kind of see what what their problems were at that time and and maybe you know had had the race um subject addressed yeah but talking about like growth of the, of the characters with anthony michael hall's character like not really going anywhere i feel i feel like uh ali sheedy's character kind of took a really weird turn I, i'm not sure like for me i liked how they tried to change her or like they give her the makeover and make her like a normal girl just so she can date the emilio estevez or something at the end it, it just felt like yeah i don't yeah. know it, it felt like here's this like really interesting counterculture girl that is quirky and has you know room potential to be really interesting in the movie and they're like but what if we just made her normal yeah, all the other characters were right. really concentrated on like becoming who they were to where ali Sheedy's character is like you need to change to become this like, yeah right. it, it's a bit her, different than the others her character i liked her character but it felt really um i, I don't know it, it didn't it didn't feel as like counterculture to me as it did just really erratic and kind of you know like they they weren't sure what they were doing with her character so let's make her like the weirdo right yeah, i feel i feel like and, that's and, the girl at my school it's like has her own zines that she's right. passing yeah. out and stuff yeah. you know yeah yeah and but they but they didn't they didn't really steer it in that kind of direction they just made her like oh she's weird and she's a klepto and she eats weird things and let's wait a minute let's back up and make her really pretty well yeah. was she not already like what's the you know what are you trying to do with that like it just it just felt kind of weird i think that's for me that's the least likable character in that sense in terms of the way she was portrayed yeah. and the kind of growth that that they had I, I think if you were to get rid of one of the characters as much as i liked her in the movie it would probably be her if you were going to replace her with you know uh, right. a person of color to to address the uh, right. uh the race thing like we were talking about and then with molly molly ringwald's character i don't know i feel like i feel like these are weird caricatures of teenage women from john Hughes's mind like they don't feel i don't know they feel like they're stereotypes like molly ringwald's character is that rich stuck-up girl and then slowly over the movie you know the outcast dude melts her heart and then you know she gives him her earring or whatever <laughs> yeah like i felt like she also her ending like i felt like she should just told that dude to fuck off right yeah right right i mean that's what you would do these days right yeah I mean, it's, it's, and that's and that's the female characters have very unsatisfying then, endings yeah yeah they were i think I think I would say that they were both too soft in terms of the way they were addressed, right? They just did, they didn't have enough edge to them in, in really uh, cementing who they were as a character. And, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's the issue with John Hughes's female characters is they don't have enough definition to, to really kind of be the standout character that, that takes the helm and drives the movie right it, it just feels like also you know the male characters are 
at least they have some more some kind of growth towards the end a little bit and the female character's growth is there just so they can date the men if that makes sense it's like ali yeah, yeah, no, transforms no. into a pretty girl to date a dude and then right you know yeah like she's like she's there to have this conflict and to show this relationship with bender but for bender to win her at the end of the movie you know and and it that that feels kind of stupid you know but you know that, that but that is but that is a thing that they're trying to address is like you you can cross the tracks right to to right. this other group and and it's um you know the whole it's it's like the romeo and juliet sort of thing right those are the they're the they're the two opposite spectrums of of the movie i think in terms of uh their groups and uh the wealth you know um and just who they are probably grades you know whatever outside of brian and and i feel like they're really they're the two most central characters the others are there for like kind of dressing and you know honestly yeah I, I agree with that. I, I see what you're saying. I think Bender really is the central character, though. I think I think so too. I think the, I think, the entire movie doesn't work without him. He's the catalyst for every major every, event in the movie. He brings yeah. the weed. He gets them out of the class. Um, he gets them talking. He antagonizes them. Yeah, him being antagonistic towards them is what kind of makes them all blossom into like their better versions right. of themselves before the end yeah. of the movie. If with without him, it would have just been a regular day in detention. You know. Right. Yeah. So, um, which is interesting. I don't. I think the other movies that we brought are more ensemble pieces, and it, I mean it's not fair. Breakfast Club is famously an ensemble with one guy doing all the heavy lifting. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. So interesting that Judd Nelson was also in the running along with uh, Nicholas Cage and John Cusack for that that role. Oh, yeah. So. I wonder, kind of wonder how that would have played out. Like, I, it's, I, now I want to live like, in an alternate universe with Nicolas Cage in that yeah, yeah, role because right. I feel his insanity would have been amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. John been, Cusack is amazing in anything. So, yeah. It's, uh, I would, I would like to see both, both of those characters. Yeah, that's, that was a miss on John Hughes' part. I don't know why I didn't cast Nicolas Cage. Jesus. Yeah. Well, it, you know, Nicolas Cage was dropped before Cusack and then the running was down to Cusack. And uh, I could um, also see Cusack Judd Nelson. a bit different movie. Was yeah. Judd Nelson in any other Hughes films? It was insane. Elmo's fire, right? Fire. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. What Ish, are, go ahead. What else? Anything else? What are your thoughts on this film? You watched uh, it. Now, when it comes to me and watching films, you guys give me a lot of crap all the time because usually some pretty like i don't have a bad word to say by a lot of movies but breakfast club is one of those ones i saw really early on and uh i sort of just like it throughout james brought up some valid points about as far as character development goes but i guess i didn't really look that deep or whatever but it's just it's one of those movies that kind of leaves you feeling good at the end even though you kind of know that come monday they really none of them made any lasting changes at least uh almost as if they didn't come of age yeah like so it's they, like the anti-coming of age. It's like, like they, a Peter they, Pan syndrome they've got. They grew for a Saturday and then sort of just reverted to their other their their original roles come the next day. So, Honestly, uh, I, I think the movie poster and the song are more iconic than the movie. I think that's really what people want out of this movie. I probably made 400 mix CDs back in the day, and I think that song was on every single one of them. <laughs> yeah, so that, that says a lot. Well, I uh, pulled a clip. Um, 
kind of what I thought was the best monologue in the movie, one of the best scenes that kind of showed um, maybe John Hughes' main thesis here on coming of age. So let me pull that up. Forever, and it wouldn't make any difference. I may as well not even exist at this school, remember? And you don't like me anyway. You know, I have just as many feelings as you do, and it hurts just as much when somebody steps all over them. God, you're so pathetic. Don't you ever, ever compare yourself to me, okay? You got everything, and I got shit. Fucking Rapunzel, right? School would probably fucking shut down if you didn't show up. Queenie isn't here. I like those earrings, Claire. Shut up. Are those real diamonds, Claire? Shut up. I bet they are. Did you work for the money? Shut for those earrings? your mouth. Or did your daddy buy those? Shut people? up! I bet he bought those for you. I bet those were a Christmas gift. Right? You know what I got for Christmas this year? It was a banner fucking year at the old Bender family. I got a carton of cigarettes. The old man grabbed me and said, hey, smoke up, Johnny. Okay, so go home and cry to your daddy. Don't cry here, okay? All right, there we go. See, have we got anything else? I mean, you, you can kind of see what I, I'm talking about going there. I mean, he's just shitting all over Molly Ringwald, but, you know, he had some good stuff to say. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the that's the movie, right? It's it's conflict between characters, and um, Judd Nelson is definitely Judd staring Nelson's the ship. shitting on other people. Yeah, yeah, that's the, the that, that's the movie the I mean, movie you know i i don't know I, for me though it's it's still when i think of coming of age movies for my age it's yeah. it's the it's the first movie that comes to mind i always enjoyed it i'm with you ish like on the soundtrack you know that was part of it um yeah. i think mm-hmm. uh you know so many movies though at that time though with like Molly Ringwald, Michael C. Hall, you know, 16 Candles, um, just the, all those movies kind of stick out to me, uh, seeing them as a kid. Um, yep. And th- this one, I think more so than, than the rest of uh, John Hughes' uh, films. This movie was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally historically and aesthetically significant by the way oh well i've got some good news for you all three of these movies are (laughs) i know (laughs) just wanted you to know that um what else i mean that's really all i've got you know it's okay uh, okay. i mean for for me it's 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 uh one of my favorites of the genre and oh you know what we didn't talk about the magic wise old janitor that shows up janitor. to give everybody yes time. we didn't we didn't talk about the janitor oh um, you, you know <laughs> that uh, guy so so check this out john capelos i think is his name rick moranis was originally cast as the janitor and oh, yeah. he left early on because of creative differences but they didn't say what so that i'm i'm really curious about what the creative differences were in in that it's, yeah, uh, that's, that's interesting. Wonder what he, yeah, what he didn't maybe, like. Maybe the weed smoking. He's pretty. Could be. Could be. I guess he's. Maybe. Hey, these these students aren't small enough. Maybe that was the. Yeah. The, the, could the we problem. shrink them? Could yeah. We... Can we make these kids smaller? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what was his relationship with um, Brian. Anthony Michael Hall's character? Is his dad right? No, because it, it's not. No, his dad picks him up at the end. I think maybe they go to the same like militia meetings or something. Oh. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> 
something. Yeah, yeah I don't know. They didn't. They imagine you know, it's, not, it's not something they really like covered. You know. You know, I thought it was his dad too, but I don't think so. Yeah, I just always vibe that it was his dad. I don't. I never paid attention at the end who picked him up. That's that's crazy. No, no, it wasn't wasn't his dad. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's just the friend of the family, you know. And again, that's another thing. You know, they it's something that they that they kind of touched on but didn't really like go all in on is you know that stereotype with like high school janitors or you know people people that work manual labor jobs you know that are doing that sort of thing and how they're always how, eager how, to pass on sage wisdom to no no no, no. i mean it's like you know <laughs> dropping truth bombs on kids in, 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 inherently like kids are always like shitting on those people or like looking down on them which is like why brian didn't acknowledge him when he was like hey brian and he's like oh i'm not going to talk to him in front of these other people right and as, as uh, sad as it is to say i i could not pick a, a high school janitor out of a lineup that i had in my lifetime at this point yeah i could every saw, every, every single one of them and they were all as fantastic as <laughs> as their janitor were they do you get a lot of life advice from janet is this why you picked this movie <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe a lot of life advice to your life coach was a high school junior. Maybe it is. I will. I'll tell you guys about that sometime. But I can't <laughs> yeah. on this podcast. He's like I tell you what, Jason, you're about to graduate, <laughs> and I want you to know, podcasting's the future. Um, <laughs> Just get yourself a good podcast. You'll see. Let's, let's let's come back to this at some point. I've got oh, I've got some stories. I'm making a note. We definitely will. So all right. All right. Well, you want to talk about Stand by Me? Uh, yeah, I'll go next. Uh, I'm pretty sure everybody knows what Stand By Me is. It's four kids at the end of their summer break sort of going on a uh, pretty macabre adventure to try and see a dead body. Uh, Directed by Rob Reiner. Yeah, uh, Princess Bride fame and just a lot of good movies. Written by Stephen King. Yeah, taken from the story, I think it's called The Body. A little adaptation. Will Wheaton. (laughs) I like the accent there. Uh, yeah, Will Wheaton, main character is Gordy. Hey, John Cusack connection, so that's two for two there. Mm-hmm. River Phoenix. Yep, and then you also have Jerry O'Connell and Corey Feldman. Corey Feldman of choreography fame. I don't know if you've uh, read his uh, autobiography. But... Uh, I think he released a film last year. <laughs> uh, but Richard Dreyfus is the narrator, right? Yeah, he's Gordy as a grown man. Yeah. Yeah, uh, starts it off, and then it does the whole flashback trope uh kind of going step by step of how the movie develops and like i said it's four kids been friends throughout the summer coming up on labor day weekend so school's about to go back and they go on this bit of an adventure over a weekend to try and uh, see the dead body of a missing kid named ray brower is rumored to have been hit by a train uh yep this is one i saw probably way too early when it comes to age and seeing movies I have an older sister that was really good for that. Let me watch inappropriate stuff with her and her friends. Yeah. And the reason I chose Stand By Me is it's probably looking back the first time like I paid attention enough to a movie to acknowledge character growth rather than just watching it for sheer entertainment value, which a lot of kids do. You didn't watch this movie about a bunch of kids finding a dead body for entertainment value? Oh, that's exactly what it started out as. But then no, like, it's a damn entertaining movie. It is. It's one of those movies that when it comes to the end, you 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 can actually see change based on where it began which is why i think it really defines that coming of age genre and out of the three movies tonight the one reason the one thing it has the others don't is it shows quote unquote the next day short of fast forwards and gives you an idea of where people ended up and who and what and pretty much everywhere you're going to have the same things that you get in other coming of age films such as not necessarily neglect but non-recognition by parents which is what the main character sort of 
has the most to work with. His older brother killed previously in the summer in a Jeep accident. His parents have kind of shut down. He has nightmares repeatedly where his dad tells him he should have been the one to die, not his brother. Yeah, that's, that's pretty hard to live yeah. with. It's fucked up. And then, uh, just like the clip you pulled for Breakfast Club, I know you pulled one for this movie, too, that is going to sort of focus on Chris, who is Gordy's best friend. That's River Phoenix's character. He sort of just comes from a bad uh, family. His older brother is uh, one of the antagonists of the film, along with uh, Kiefer Sutherland's character. What's his name? Eyeball? Eyeball. Eyeball? I think it's Eyeball. Yep. And so it's him living with like a family lineage or reputation of everybody being bad uh so by default he's always the bad guy and then you have Vern, who is probably like the nerdiest of the bunch he's a chubby kid whose uh older brother also hangs out with the the two antagonists and uh he and then finally you have Corey feldman's character who is uh teddy and his dad is he stormed uh, the beaches of normandy yeah according to teddy he did so. yeah <laughs> uh, i have my doubts yeah it, i think it's more of a, a romanticized relationship yeah. with the military that he did for his dad to try right. and cope but uh he dealt with some abuse from his dad that's mentioned in the movie he is kind of disfigured by that and uh so he's dealing with physical trauma gordy's dizzy, busy with emotional trauma Vern's kind of dealing with being invisible and chris is kind of dealing with being typecast into the role of bad like not able to be his own person yeah now i, th- I think it does something that kids really don't do is talk as deep as some of some of the conversations they have on their little adventure just anything from the milk money scene to teddy getting into it with the junkyard man stuff like that people calling him out i don't, I don't yeah. think that necessarily then again that's a different generation it's uh but I think it's supposed to take place in the 50s, so perhaps. But as far as the coming of age is, there's distinguishable change with all four kids. It's sort of how, how old are they supposed to be in the movie? They're 12. So, yeah. So you feel like at the end of the movie, they've transitioned like from childhood into young, uh, being young teenagers or whatever. Uh, yeah, I think for the most part, they they transition mentally to be kind of ready to, and knowing that the world's kind of a shitty place sometimes, and it's just. How you deal with that is is how uh, sort of how how you become who you are. And yeah. uh, towards the end of the movie, I like how it shows that Teddy and Vern they move on to like the vocational side of things. Uh, Vern just becomes your run of the mill like milk toast husband and has kids and a family. Teddy, I know it's going to be another two for two, but we have he becomes the handyman slash janitor of the town that they grow up in. Do you think so, he's the janitor in Breakfast Club? Uh. Uh, I don't know. Maybe sort the of timeline like lines up, right? It, I think lines so. up. He's in his what thirties. Yeah, in, in Breakfast Club. And then, uh, just like with any other good drama film, it kind of hits you with one last little one-two punch at the end when you find out that Gordy, as a grown man, did become a writer, just as his best friend Chris urged him to do, because he was thinking about taking the vocational classes with them. Yeah. When in turn, Gordy convinced Chris to take the uh the educational side of courses with him and chris became a lawyer and is subsequently killed trying to stop a fight between two gentlemen at a restaurant so uh yeah it leaves you get you right with that punch at the end and then uh it has a good closing where richard dreyfus finishes the story and sees his his son and his friend there and rather than repeat past mistakes he stops what he's doing and i guess takes him to the water park or whatever they were going yeah let's talk about Kiefer sutherland man yeah, uh, Keith or Sutherland's a real bad boy. He's got a real grease vibe in this. He does. He's like, and, uh, 
I guess, like I said, it might be generationally, but like he's a bad dude. Like, yeah, I actually think he is also the same character as his character in Lost Boys. Yeah, maybe yeah. like pretty more, sure he goes up from this to become a vampire. Yeah, 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 because he is down to straight kill people. Like, right. and little kids, he hates yeah. kids, man. He'll fuck them up. I just, I, I just, I didn't really dive too deep as like the background of the film. I know it is part of that historical archive that Jason mentioned. Uh, and beyond that, it is a library Rob Congress, film. Yeah. yeah so, Take- I mean, it, it's taken from a collection of Stephen King short stories. He tried to write some like uh, non horror fiction. It's the same collection that I think um, Shawshank Redemption's from. And it turned out pretty good. I mean, it is a little macabre, but for not being a horror film, it's probably, I would say it's probably the best Stephen King adaptation adaptation movie yeah. yeah yeah takes place in castle rock yeah castle rock oregon yeah yeah well yeah. Kiefer sutherland's character if you watch the show castle rock in the second season his character's mm-hmm. there as an adult ace yeah oh okay no i didn't i mean i haven't seen the show castle rock i've seen it on, on <clears> i've never watched it and i know that castle rock is sort of the counterpart to dairy maine uh, yeah, yeah, yeah when it comes to the different coastal cities that uh, Stephen King likes to reuse and sort of develop yeah. in his works. Yeah, but um, it is this is a great film. Like, I don't, I don't have a lot to say negative about it. I would guess for me, it is a fantastic coming of age movie. It does remind me a lot. I had um four really good friends when I was around that age, and I'm from Eastern Kentucky, so we lived near, you know, woods and that kind of thing. So we would go, we would get our tents and just go in the woods for the weekend and stuff and do a lot of exploring and our parents really didn't give a shit um so this i relate a lot to this movie my, my problem with it though is a coming of age is that for me it's not super relatable because most people don't have that coming of age moment by finding dead bodies yeah most children um it's more gradual for the most people than it is yeah. that one giant catalyst that sort of rockets you into adulthood uh yeah I think he does a really good depiction of what 12 year old boys are like, like it's spot on their conversations, what they're talking about. Um, I, I'll have the same, I'll give it a pass on not having, you know, somebody of color in the movie because it is set in the fifties. So it's probably not super historically accurate. Something but... else I sort of related to, and you mentioned that you had the friends, the group of friends. Uh, I had a couple friends that, were only my friends in summer if you know what i'm saying like they they would come and stay at their dad's house during the summer yeah and so we would hang out and do stuff sort of play outside and do that kind of stuff throughout the summer and then just like in this movie when school comes back in session teddy and Vern kind of go their own way and just like me and these friends we would sort of separate for that time i'm not sure if that's exactly how it worked in this sense like you do have that group of friends that necessarily is not your group of friends when you go to school every day again i'm saying i don't think it would have killed anybody to have one of these kids be a girl yeah but you know i understand it it's very it's a very male centered coming of age story it's the only one that we picked that is totally male but it does a good job yeah, yeah. I, I, I got nothing bad to say about it. Um, That's probably why it's the better of the three coming of age films we're talking about today. I'll say uh, I'll put it at the second. I'll put it number two. <laughs> I think I, I think if there had been like a, a girl character in there, there would there would have been several of those scenes that would have been you know less comfortable. You know the the leeches, you know that sort of thing. You know, maybe a reason to not have a female character. You know, because then you've you've got some other things to address then or you know scene changes that you maybe have to make and maybe it just didn't feel right for it for him yeah sure 
I see. That's good points. Good points. Yeah, going back uh, to it being a bit fantastical is, I definitely have not have my had my own little uh, have gun world travel sing along on trail road tracks like with friends. <laughs> so that was always a cool scene when I was a kid. Well, I um I pulled another clip uh, for this movie about the one that I think is probably the best one for showing coming of age character growth. This is that milk money scene. So here we go. No one even asked me if I took the milk money that time. I just got a three-day vacation. Did you take it? Yeah, I took it. You knew I took it. Teddy knew I took it. Everyone knew I took it. Even Vern knew it, I think. Maybe I was sorry and I tried to give it back. You tried to give it back? Maybe. Just maybe. And maybe I took it to old lady Simons and told her, and the money was all there. But I still got a three-day vacation because it never showed up. And maybe the next week, old lady Simons had this brand new sugar on when she came to school. Yeah, yeah, it was brown and had dots on it. Yeah. So let's just say that I stole the milk money, but old lady Simons stole it back from me. Just suppose that I told the story. Me. Chris Chambers, kid brother to eyeball Chambers. You think that anyone would have believed it? Oh. And you think that that bitch would have dared tried something like that if it had been one of those douchebags from up on The View if they had taken the money? No way. Hell no. But with me? I'm sure she had her eye on that skirt for a long time. Anyway, she saw her chance and she took it. I was the stupid one for even trying to give it back. <laughs> Just never thought. I never thought the teacher would oh, be so fucked anyway. <laughs> I just wish that I could go someplace where nobody knows me. <laughs> Do you think uh, Will Wheaton hit the shock and awe on his face was just the shock and awe of him uh, being in River Phoenix's presence for that monologue? <laughs> yeah, that is... <laughs> kid acted his goddamn heart out jeez yeah 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 that's the best acting in any of the three movies yeah. by far. I, th- I think the the great thing about uh river phoenix's uh character chris is he has this sort of self-awareness maybe that the others don't and is able to sort of see them in a way that they can't see themselves. Oh, he's um, vastly more mature yeah, than the other. Yeah, characters. yeah, yeah. So, so much more mature. Even though he's kind of the, you know, I think he's a he's a character maybe like he doesn't like himself a little bit, you know. Right. And um, well, he's and I think poor. Every, there's, there's, right, right. There's he's a, poor. There's a he lot knows his family's that, like, legacy, and he knows that he's not going to escape that. Right, right. So he, he has a he has like a sad self awareness like you're talking about right. that you know, these other kids can go on to do other things, but he's kind of you know stuck in in in, in his class, right? Being the but, poor you know minimum wage worker that he'll eventually be, right? But having that having that awareness kind of gives this other perspective, you know, through 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 his his lens that the other characters don't have, and I think that. I think that really lends itself to this sort of growth that you that you get to see in uh, Will Wheaton's character. You don't really, you know, he's they tell him how good of a he's a great writer and these stories that he comes up with, and he he doesn't think it's like that great or it's you know maybe not something to pursue because of the way he's treated by his parents. But you know, 
Chris is so envious of that, I think, you know, because he knows that he doesn't, he doesn't have anything to look forward to, or he feels that way, at least. You actually brought up the one thing that I actually don't like about this movie. I do have a complaint and that's the American graffiti treatment it gets at the end. I actually don't like the little cards that say, you know, what happened when the person grew up and you know, how, how their arc ended. I would have much better. I think, sorry, I think River Phoenix's arc would have been much better served if we didn't know how he ended up. Cause it's kind of, you know, it's bittersweet at the end, not knowing what he's going to become. Yeah. I, think, I, get that because... uh, I, I think the, the tacked on endings for each character just kind of cheapened the story for me. Yeah, his his self-awareness at that young age and his disdain for like his family lineage, that's what gives you like that little inkling of hope that he he is knowledgeable enough to change what he's destined to be. So I, I get it to where you right, can wait. see them not well, giving him. Well, you feel a lot of compassion wish. for his character, and then they're like, Oh, by the way, he became a rich lawyer. But he died. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. It's like, I don't know. I would have rather not known. That's just a personal choice. All right, you guys ready to move on? You guys got anything else for um stand by me? No, we're ready to hear this. Uh, You're ready to talk about a good movie? movie that you cherish that <laughs> is a great film. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, exactly. Let's talk about it. So the movie that I picked um, for my coming of age movie um, is one of my favorite movies of all time. Honestly, um, it's a movie that you can put in and no matter how many times you've seen it, you can watch it again. It is dazed and confused by Richard Linklater. Um this is a movie, it's a day in a life in the 70s, 1976, of high school students in a small town in Texas. Um, I picked this movie because even though it's supposed to be in the 70s and I went to high school in the 90s, um, if you're in a small town in, in Kentucky, it was very much like this. Um, them riding around, cruising, partying at the Moon Tower. I related a lot to um, Randall Pink Floyd's character, just his ability I like how they did clicks in this movie, how you see the different social groups, but there's different characters within these social groups that bind them all together. Yeah, so Randall Pink Floyd, yeah. yeah, is you know, he's friends with the stoners, the jocks, the the nerds. He's in and out of all these groups. And I thought that was very realistic. Um, for me, this movie has an authenticity that the other movies kind of lack. The other movies are very movie quality in their dialogue, right? And for this, I, I'm i not 100% sure, but I think there's a lot of improvised dialogue, I surmise, in this movie. I just don't know if there's a way to get that authenticity of conversation that they have in this movie. But yeah, I love this movie. It's, uh, it's, it's a movie I had actually never seen. Until get out we, of here. Until, are you until, serious? until we watched the yeah i've all you know i think uh i think when it was made you know maybe maybe i had like missed the boat on it and it was yeah. like something i had always like heard you know I, I knew the movie without seeing it and i think it had maybe caused me to not have too much interest in it i really really enjoyed it i agree with you on how authentic it is it does for, for me also being from a small town in the middle of nowhere in kentucky um, it was very much what my high school life was like. It, Randall Pink Floyd's character, there, there were, you know, I, that, that could have been, could have been me. You know, I, mm -hmm. I played sports. I hung out with the metalheads, the stoners, the jocks. They were, a lot of them were, were my friends. Uh, this is the same kind of stuff you know, kids in the middle of Kentucky do like, you know, you go right around, smoke weed, drink beers, 
cruise the town because there's nothing else to do except yeah. ride around in your car. And it's super authentic. And I, like you said, I think more so because of what it is, because it's less structured, these other movies, they've got, you know, a story to tell and, you know, we've got to hit this mark in this frame and we've got to do this. And this movie's just kind of wide open in terms of, you know, the way that it's portraying what's happening in, in a more realistic way, mm-hmm. uh, in a more realistic timeline, I think. And, you know, the, the ad lib stuff, I mean, that, you know, Matthew McConaughey, you know, all right, all right, all right. That was, uh, <laughs> that was definitely an ad lib, you know, thing. I think that's, I think most people know that, but it's. Um, yeah. Do you know how that he came up with that line? I don't. All right. So one thing that Richard Linklater did when he cast these actors is he made a mixtape for every actor that encapsulates their character. So he gave Matthew McConaughey's character his mixtape and he's like, listen to this, listen to it. Anytime you're not here, you know, listen to this tape on the way to the set in your car, listen to the tape. So he did. And there's a lot of Jim Morrison, a lot of doors on Matthew McConaughey's tape. And he was pulling into the parking lot, you know, and there's, I guess it was a part of a live doors album and Jim Morrison's going, all right, all right, all right. I guess uh, Matthew McConaughey was repeating it, was getting into it. And yeah, it slipped into the movie. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. His whole, do you guys know how Matthew McConaughey was cast in this movie? It was like a chance encounter or something like that. Yeah, I don't. It is an insane Hollywood story. So he, I think this movie shot in Austin and Matthew McConaughey lived there and he was not an actor and him and his living girlfriend at the time, she was begging him to go out and, you know, I think it was like a Friday night or whatever, go get a drink. And so Matthew McConaughey's friend worked at the Hyatt in Austin, downtown Austin, where the cat, I guess directors and the casting director and stuff were saying. And so Matthew McConaughey went to the bar there at the Hyatt, ended up talking to the casting director and they end up partying all night and matthew mcconaughey doesn't say anything about being an actor or wanting to act or whatever but they get kicked out of the bar because they get rowdy and so the casting director guy's like you know let's go back to my room we'll keep the party going they go up there and matthew mcconaughey's like no no man this is bullshit they should not have kicked us out he's like you're a paying customer they shouldn't be treating you like this i'm gonna call the front desk so he calls the front desk and like reads them like the manager of the riot act and shit you know, it gets the manager on the phone. And they end up apologizing for kicking them out and like comping the room and stuff. And the guy was like, have you ever thought about acting? Just because the pure charisma that Matthew McConaughey had, <laughs> like, you know, just getting the hotel to apologize and everything. He's like, no. And so he had him come in and read for the part and stuff and, and got it. Wow. That's how Matthew McConaughey became an actor. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Yeah. So if anything, Dazed and Confused wins for giving us Matthew McConaughey literally would not exist without this movie (laughs) but getting back to the uh coming of age one thing i like about this movie as well is that there's really two coming of age stories here you've got um randall pink pink floyd's uh coming of age story now he's transitioning into a senior he's slowly you know leaving the tropes of high school behind him you know the, the athletics and the grades and stuff and he's trying to start to focus on who he wants to be as a person not what the system wants him to be and then you have Mitch, I think Mitch, it's his yeah. name. I'm going to call him Wiley Wiggins because it's the best name. fucking name yeah. in the world. But Wiley Wiggins' character is a different kind of coming of age. And you kind of feel sorry for him towards the end because even though you know, he's made all these friends and he's going to have a good time in high school, you see him kind of being 
born into the system that Randall Pink Floyd's trying to leave, right? You know, you're, you're seeing him for the first time kind of get manacled to the system. And I, I, I think it's interesting. We get to see the perspective of both those characters. Yeah, they're, they're definitely the two central characters in in the movie and i i agree with that like i i question regarding a coming of age movie i question how much growth there is in the movie okay okay you, you, know, you just you say know, that Rand- wiley Randall- wiggins is not a totally different character by the end of that his, his he's, entire he's, world has changed by yeah, that one night it's 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 wide open for him <clears throat> and it's it's this one night of kind of shock and all probably sort of amazement and being kind of dunked into this this new world in terms of you know becoming a freshman in high school however i think it's something that he knew was was going to happen they all knew about this like this hazing sort of ritual that you know that was coming and that sort of thing and he's just uh he's been invited in in a way that these other these other kids haven't oh um, okay did, did you watch the movie first so he was not yeah, yeah. invited into this group he was aware see how he he levels up as a person is the way that he handles the hazing i think you see his friends they run from yeah. it and he makes a conscious decision to embrace it even though he knows yeah, he's sure. going to get it worse sure sure but he he is invited in in a way through, through through randall i think randall kind of takes him under his wing a little bit definitely he's 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 the one that kind of pulls him in and says okay you're coming with us tonight right yeah but you gotta and randall pink floyd would not have invited him if he hadn't have handled the hazing the way he did like if he had ran away yeah i agree and 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 it is because of his older sister is friends with Mm -hmm. him and she asked them not you know you know, not to go too hard on him. And um, yeah. indeed, she did, is the they, reason that he does it, get like, right. Really... And it, yeah. And it made, it made that happen. But like you said, he, he did handle it, you know, in, in a different way than the other kids. He didn't run away from it. Dude, his, you know, his spanking scene, like, were they actually hitting him? Dude, damn. it's pretty visceral. You can see it. Like, yeah, that. you can yeah. see it on visceral. his face. Yeah. Ben Affleck's spanking that ass. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the, Ben Affleck. The, my least the, favorite the, character of the movie. <laughs> right right it's kind of hilarious like seeing him in i in did that not movie. check like, is this also like... ben affleck's first role uh, i'm not sure I think um, it might be i'm glad when he gets his come up it's with the whole prank and the and the shotgun in the face the start yeah. and end the movie it's pretty nice um they say he's the one that actually like stays back a year so he can get extra he foregoes graduating or something like that so this is his second go around as far as when it comes to paddling asses yeah what were you gonna say jason so the other thing that i was gonna say about the characters and coming of age is randall pink floyd you know he he is he's trying to fight the system in terms of what their expectations are yeah yet yes but he's also like you know just seems like he's wants to be his own person but also that own person that he wants to be is like hey man i just want to party you know, kind yeah. of, and I'm curious about the the growth for him as well, because you know the next day he's just still they're on the football field, like rolling into the next day partying with uh, Matthew McConaughey's character, and where is he after this? Is kind of what yeah, yeah. I do. This is a movie where I do want uh, kind of the end, you know, to show me what happens, you no, know, to them, to no, them in, the, in, the, no. in the future. He signed the I, paper. He I played wanted, football. I wanted, I want to know. Yeah, I want. That's what I love to know. Did he not? Did he not sign? Here's you want to hear my personal. It's it's simultaneously what's great about this movie, but also like, I really want to know like what 
what what goes on you know in, in, my, in my head canon he plays football doesn't sign the paper yeah that's my head canon yeah i'm sure that is probably what happens he doesn't sign the paper plays football but how is that different from the year before you know like so, yeah. i i like i like his character at the end i think it touches on a lot of things for people that age when you're you're first becoming you know you're leaving your parents guidance and your high school guidance and starting to become your own person you're developing you know your own personality you're developing your own aspirations and what you want to do and that can sometimes come directly into conflict with what your high school and stuff wants to do i think randall Pete yeah. floyd's a sharp guy and i think there's probably things he wants to do outside of football and he doesn't want you know these to be the best years of his life and he doesn't want um you know football to you know become who he is but he still enjoys the game and wants to play so i yeah, feel for right. him on that aspect you know I, th- I think he's got a lot of growth i think the randall pink floyd at the beginning of the movie i think's very inclined and kind of resigned himself to sign the paper and then i think the randall pink floyd at the end of that movie even though it's been one day isn't gonna sign the paper yeah yeah i think he i mean he starts out questioning it and his his growth over 12 hours is is all yeah right How long's is breakfast all, club eight hours is right is is all i got in, a weekend in mind right is all in kind of the questioning authority vein right yeah that's kind of and he's and that's what he's decided to do he's like i'm gonna i'm gonna fight the man whether that's you know my coaches or my expectations from my neighbors you know in terms of me being the football star or or whatever and and that it, that is the growth that I see, but I but I do wonder like what what is it that he wants, you know? Yeah. Like I know he I know like what, a I know civil he, rights lawyer. I know, he, or... I know what he doesn't want. He doesn't he doesn't want people to tell him what to do, right? Yeah. But what is it that he wants? Is kind yeah. of he he makes what, what I want to know about shit. him. John Cusack's yeah. character from Say Anything when it comes to the whole bought pot sold process thing, like yeah, it's same vein. Yeah. yeah. They listen to a lot of uh, "Welcome to the Machine" by Pink Floyd. Uh, speaking of the other music, I think "Dazing and Fuse" is another instance where the movie is sort of outshined by the soundtrack. I think I think the soundtrack though is a solid all the way through soundtrack. Yeah. Whereas "Breakfast Club" has a good song. <laughs> if we're talking about iconic soundtracks, also this is the best use of sweet emotions in anything ever, yeah, right? Including just the album. <laughs> like when he's pulling up to the front of the school and, and sweet emotions playing oh my god you guys want to know what band i've seen live uh, fog the hat. most the most times <laughs> fog hat <laughs> no it's aerosmith is it really but yeah yeah i saw them oh it must be between... you saw armageddon and then saw them 10 but... times in a row afterwards. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it might as might as well have been um probably between 93 ish up to 90 i don't know or the early 90s i saw them like four or five times four or five times nice. crazy i will be a little hard on this movie like it was with the other ones and when it comes to the women's stories um i don't think this movie also doesn't do a very good job of you know having a woman's perspective there's amazing female characters in this and since such this so much of this movie is ad-libbed i feel like maybe in the original draft there was a female lead and maybe it just eroded away over how they shot the movie and it was parker posey wasn't it yeah yeah 
I mean, they're, they're the, the, great... the characters are there, but they they're just not. We don't follow. We follow them tangentially through uh, the male characters, right? Yeah, there's there there are great characters in this. Uh, Parker Posey's character being one, but great female characters. But you do everything is through the the lens of misogyny. I think in in terms of the relationships, a lot of it anyway. And, How weird you know, is it and having that, Mila Jovovich in this movie and her saying like two words? Yeah, yeah. Does, just... does she even say two words? I Maybe. think at the moon tower, she says something. Okay. Okay. I was wondering that at the end of the movie, I thought that was like one of my first thoughts was like, did Mila Jovovich even say anything? Yeah, <laughs> right. That's, that's, that's what she said. <laughs> she, she showed the multi-pass and went to the top of the moon tower. And did you know it. that she married the dude that is her uh, boyfriend in this movie while they were shooting this movie? No. Yeah, Weird. is he the one that went on to make all the Resident Evil movies, or is that a different husband? I don't know. It might be different. I'm yeah. sure these people got divorced because she was like 16 when they yeah. made this movie. That Cut. character is interesting because you see him in the opening credits, right? Sweet Emotions playing there in his car, and it's him and uh, Mila Jovovich and Randall Pink Floyd. But then uh, the character just disappears, and I guess what's the guy that played Randall Pink Floyd? Jason. Jason Lane. London, Jeremy London, one Jeremy. of the two. Yeah. Um, I guess him and uh, the guy that played that dude did not get along, so they ended up cutting a lot of his scenes. So oh, that sucks. Yeah, I like the little snippet by Joey Lauren Adams as the girlfriend in the beginning, and then she kind of shows up a little later. Doesn't Reese Witherspoon like walk by the camera? Uh, I think that's Renee Zellweger that does. Oh, that. Renee Zellweger. Yeah. yeah, you're right. But yeah, so I mean, the female stories and like you think it felt like the movie was setting up to have like parallel stories with uh, Wiley Wiggins, and then I forget her name, but the girl, the the freshman girl that they oh, make uh yeah then the that they make uh in um proposed to dude from star trek yeah and Anthony then they rap they kiss at the end yeah yeah it's kind of like i felt that they were setting something more up with her and i think yeah. they just abandoned it yeah, yeah he was well, with a couple different girls throughout the night yeah well i think i think that needed to happen for him to kind of level up to the to the older yeah, classmate the older girls, you know yeah. the older girl at the end you know how which, great is it you know, when he, goes, when he comes like, in drunk at the end and his mom is like this is your one this is like right i, yeah. I remember my, back in the day my dad had that one day where i came in and he's like this is like your one card so like i definitely identify with that where you got that cool parent that just kind of says yeah. hey like shit happens but th- like don't do it again okay oh, cool. we did I, we did so much stuff in this movie the bowling balls we would go in with empty bowling bags or bowling alley and put bowling balls in them and then roll them down the hill into traffic that's right both of your all movies had freaking uh, mailbox baseball that was yeah yeah we did we did that as well that must be a small um, town thing that never would have flown like we didn't have mailboxes there, in my neighborhood there, there, they were all there was, houses this this movie was i think that's the best thing about this movie is how kind of loose it is you know with with the story and how it feels um, like you're hanging out with the characters for a night yeah, like you're yeah. along and it's, with them it really does just reflect small town life I, I i think if you go to you know small town kentucky today it's still a lot of yeah. this is still the same way that's part of that is kind of even though this is a 70s movie a lot of it doesn't feel dated to me because no it could be it could totally be 90s easy yeah. Um, yeah, i don't i don't have that point of reference it could it could, it could have know. been 80s the even the even the hazing stuff i've got two older sisters that are like 10 and 11 years older than me and i remember them doing uh the the high school sorority stuff 
yeah. like the same stuff that these girls are doing. And I remember being like in awe of that, like, what is this about? And like, why on earth would you do it? Like, I remember them riding around in the backs of trucks with like oh. eggs on their head and like really? all, all the, yeah. And getting all the junk dumped on them and everything. So weird, like high school sororities. Like it, I always thought it was super strange. And I, I wonder if it's even a thing today. Like, you know, I don't know. Mm. I think it, it is definitely the movie that I most relate to in just everyday happenings at that age you know yeah i was listening to interview with richard linklater and he was talking about you know the timelessness of the movie and he's like really it could be 70s 80s or 90s it could be any time before social media he said the movie couldn't be made today because the genesis of everything that happens in this movie is out of boredom and kids just aren't bored now because it's 24 hours you know social media and and whatnot so you know at least in his mind he doesn't think that this could happen today this kind of movie i agree with that imagine if if they redid breakfast club today it would just be five kids on their phones in a a library right five kids on their phones uh wouldn't matter what what clique they were from or or weren't from the only word Um, because because they have a charger that'd be about right (laughs) yeah they wouldn't they wouldn't even acknowledge one another you know the the soundtrack back to the soundtrack in days and confused uh that's another thing is that i don't even think of it really and it didn't really it's almost like i didn't hear it because growing up in the 80s and listening to central kentucky radio stations where everything is classic rock you know wkqq or you know whatever whatever you're listening to those were the same songs like all this whole movie was the same songs that i heard on classic rock radio stations in lexington and it seemed kind of fitting to me you know of course this is in the 80s but it's the same music that i'm hearing and so none of it stuck out to me in the way that in the breakfast club soundtrack i really enjoyed that because in the 90s i was kind of discovering a lot of this like 80s new wave that I didn't hear before because nobody in my family listened to that. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of songs that in my formative years listening to 80s music that I really enjoy from that soundtrack that that stick out and makes it kind of more of a favorite than the soundtrack to this movie. And it's yeah. just because this is this is like vanilla to me, you know. I think this uh, I think but the not, soundtrack not sales to this movie saved this movie. I think the soundtrack sales for this movie were insane. Yeah, I think theatrically it wasn't I a huge it. hit. It's more of that one yeah. of those followings. Yeah, I yeah, think that sure. Link Later was promised like a major studio release, but they ended up releasing it like on the indie model. So it wasn't in a lot of screens when it got released but i think it's about what i've got i was gonna play my favorite scene from the movie well not my favorite scene there's too many there's too many good scenes this week <laughs> but the monologue at the end i think is really important in this particular coming of age story i think again not showing what happens to these people in their life this movie really emphasizes the decisions and the weight of the decisions themselves not the outcomes of those decisions which i find fascinating but here let me go ahead and get this going not to indulge in any alcohol drugs sex after 12 or any other illegal activity <laughs> my shadow later baby found that in your glove compartment man hey, you know you're the third person who's given me this today god but what do you reckon you're gonna do oh, i don't know man i'll probably end up signing i just don't want to give in so easy man it's the same bullshit they tried to pull in my day you know if it ain't that piece of paper some other choice we're gonna try and make for you. 
You got to do what Randall Pink Floyd wants to do, man. Let me tell you this. The older you do get, the more rules are going to try to get you to follow. <laughs> you just got to keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. <laughs> man, if you're going to sign that paper, man, you should throw a little grass right in the middle, man. Roll it up. Yeah. Sign the joint, man. That's going to tell them something. That's yeah. what I'll do. Yeah. <laughs> assholes. Yeah, so what? They're all a bunch of assholes. But you got to think about it. We've had a lot of really good times right here, Pink. Yeah, I mean, come on, Pink. I can't believe this. You act like you're so oppressed. Then you guys are kings of the school. You get away with whatever you want. What are you bitching about? Well, look, I mean, all I'm saying is that if I ever start referring to these as the best years of my life, remind me to kill myself. Well, all I'm saying is I just want to look back and say that I did it the best I could while I was stuck in this place. Had as much fun as I could when I was stuck in this place. Played as hard as I could when I was stuck in this place. But yeah, I think, I don't know. I feel like for as much as this movie is just a hangout movie, there's some really powerful moments in it. And I think at the end, they kind of hammer home the, the message of, of what it means for them, at least in 1976, to come of age. I think it is a movie that is also a product of its times. And this is, you know, Vietnam War, you know, right after that and stuff. So I think becoming your own person then was, was important and it is also interesting to see the contrast of his other friends that are less inclined to rock the boat right mm-hmm. more of you know we had a good time you know you guys have got it made you know what what does it matter like you act like you're being so oppressed and i think it's on some level she's right maybe randall pink floyd's being immature but on the other level maybe maybe she's wrong and he even though he does have it made, he also has a right to make his own decisions and to transition into adulthood. Oh, no, it's I th- I th- the seriousness of signing that piece of paper in the movie seems a little odd to me. I think if you really think about it, how big of a deal is that? Not a real big deal. Still play football. Don't sign it. Are they going to kick you off the team? No, you know that kind of thing. So it's 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 important, but it's strange that it's important. Well, we don't know I, if they won't about. kick them off the team. They may, you know, they might. Yeah, kick I don't. Off the team. I don't know. They I don't. I, tell I, us, I get it. I get it though. I get it though. Yeah. You know, it's it's. Um, we had in my high school, we had this thing that they called Project Graduation every year, and so after graduation, they would have like this big party in the high school gym after graduation. It was like a big lock-in sort of like party thing. Yeah. And I think early on you could kind of come and go, but like by the time I graduated, if you showed up and then you left, like they didn't let you back in, but you could come like really late. Cause it was like all night. So you could go to all these other parties and then show up to this, but it was like, they tried to have it be an incentive for kids to not go out and yeah. just get wasted, you know, on uh, graduation night. And they did this thing where, so Project Grad throughout the year, they had fundraisers and that kind of thing for the seniors. And you could participate in those and some other events to rack up points. And Mm -hmm. the points were basically money. So in Project Grad, they had all these raffle things and however many points you had, you could put them towards, you know, these raffles to win like a computer, you know, that you might want to take with you to college or TV or, you know, that kind of thing. And one of the incentives uh, to not be out partying, partying was it was like something at like 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock at night, you could stop in one of the church parking lots somewhere in town 
and the police would be set up there and you could do a breathalyzer. And as long as you didn't register on the breathalyzer, you got so many project grad points that you could then go to project grad <laughs> to like spin. So it was all like, don't drink and do drugs, you know, like, yeah. so I get, I get, you know, that letter yeah. signing thing. It's, it was, Being a bit was a lot you of, guys, was, we, we had the dare program. So that's about what yeah, we had. We had dare. Yeah. 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 But yeah, it's, uh, it's very realistic. There's a lot of realism you know, going on in this movie and it, it touches on a lot of stuff that I remember. I, li- I really like that about it. So, yeah, I, I like all three of these movies. I think we all make good points. I think I made better points, but you know, the, the, they're all, they're all good. My personal ranking, if I was to rank these, I would probably put days to fuse first, um, stand by me and then breakfast club. That's just me. That is just you. Yeah. yeah good, good thing the winner is not <laughs> up to you that's that's true that's my personal ranking yeah i think breakfast club's the only one that i have like legit problems with i you know i i understand the problems i have some of those same problems but they don't outweigh i think the importance of the development of this movie in terms of the conflict that that they're trying to show and uh, important things they're trying to touch on but w- while we're on that something they didn't really touch on that they could have in either of these movies is the the sexism and kind of the misogyny for the times that as with days and confused and and the breakfast club i think both yeah. of those it's something that they that could have could an issue that could have been raised um and it wasn't but then again it's kind of like it's one of those things where it's like well those are those were the times, right? That's yeah. how you explain that away. These are the times that, that they were, they were in, you know, again, those, those movies, some of the things that were portrayed in them just wouldn't fly these days. So the way this works is we've all made our cases. We've talked about the movies, but we do not get the judge. No, that is reserved for our judge, judge Reinhold. So judge Reinhold takes a listen to the episode. Then he transmits to us the winner. Now, if you would like to be part of the collective known as Judge Reinhold, uh, you could email us at moviefightpod at gmail.com and we'll get you in the Judge Reinhold collective there where you can assist Judge Reinhold in voting, determining the winner. You can also reach us at moviefightpod on Twitter and coming soon, moviefightpod.com probably if somebody didn't take it. If you're listening to this, don't don't take it from us. It was a TM, TM, TM. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to come prepared for next episode, next episode, Jason is going to decide the category and he has chosen, what did you choose for us? Jason? Sword and sorcery films. Sword and sorcery films. This, this was hard for me to choose one because I try to choose good films for this podcast. And while there are a lot of entertaining sword and sorcery films, I have a hard time finding good ones. But for me, for my money, I'm picking Ridley Scott's Legend with Tim Curry and Tom Cruise. Ish, what are you choosing? Uh, I'm going with the classic Willow with Warwick Davis and Val Kilmer. Yeah, yeah. Directed by uh, Richie Cunningham, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ron Howard. Jason, what'd you pick, buddy? And why isn't it Kroll? <laughs> oh, you know. Uh, I thought, I thought, I thought uh, you'd be Kroll 100%. I, I, you know, I, I, I may have picked Kroll, uh, you know, had it been on a different day when I was deciding. If it but... was best Liam Neeson movies. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I picked. Excalibur by uh, John Borman. Uh, amazing soundtrack. Amazing mm-hmm. movie. 
I, I don't think I've seen um, that one, so I think that might oh, be really you'll get ready Patrick. to see somebody raped Beep. in a full metal plate mail armor. <laughs> also, be ready to see the amazing Patrick Stewart. Always a fan of an early early it's, movie. With I haven't him. seen Excalibur since I was a kid, but doesn't he take the shape of like King Arthur, or whatever, in full plate mail, and then have sex with somebody? Doesn't take uh, the plate mail off. His, his wife. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's it, like a weird rape right. scene, but he keeps the armor on. I guess there's like a dick hole. Well, Protection. well, she thinks she thinks it's her husband. Right, but he doesn't take so, the armor off. Right. Right. <laughs> Just right. weird. To each his own. So cold. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh, uh, this shit again. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about this. Yeah. So Willow. Excalibur and Legend. All right. Well, thanks, guys. See you next time. We'll see you next time. Movie fans.